So how do I pray more effectively? Two more keys for you this morning. And again, I apologize, but we've, we're going to move a little quickly and you'll see why. There's a sermon inside of the sermon. I'm sorry, uh, but just, just be prepared. Uh, key number one, here it is. We pray more effectively when we forgive others. We pray more effectively when we forgive others. Last week, we, we learned that one of the keys to effective prayer is, is obedience, right? One of the keys to effective prayer is obedience. And so we looked at these scriptures together. James um, 5.16 says, The prayer of a righteous, uh, you could put in quotations there, obedient, the prayer of an obedient or the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And that's what we're talking about is effective prayer. We also looked at 1 John 5.3. 1 John 5.3, it says, This is love for God to keep His commands, all right? Or to obey His commands. Commands is another way to say that. And so, so, so we, we understood that one of the keys to effective prayer is in obedience. We also learned that none of us obey God perfectly. Okay? And because none of us obey God perfectly, there's another key to effective prayer, and that key is confession, right? And we said that confession is necessary uh, to bring us back into a right fellowship with God. And once we're a child of God, once we become a son or a daughter of God, that relationship of, of father-daughter or father-son, that can never be broken, but the intimacy, the closeness, walking with God, that can be interrupted. That's called a break in fellowship, and that happens any times that there's sin in our lives. Okay, and so confession is needed to restore our broken fellowship with God. And we said that's one of the things that we struggle with in prayer. A lot of times we pray and we feel distance from God. We feel like our prayers are bouncing off the ceilings and that's going on because of broken fellowship. Okay, and so we we, we get to the heart of that. Now, now, how does confession restore that fellowship? Well, first, John one nine tells us. How that happens. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just, and He forgives us of our sins, and He purifies us of, of, of all unrighteousness. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk through, and, and because I want to lay it out for you, um, just so you can think through it with me, and then we're going to go back in Scripture, and we're going to prove all these things to you. Okay, does that make sense? So lots of blanks to fill in here. Uh, just, just follow along with me to the best of your ability. So understanding that, this, this is what that would teach us. When we confess our sins, uh, I'm just filling these blanks with me, Pat. When we confess our sins, God forgives us, okay? When we confess our sins, God forgives us, thus restoring our broken fellowship, okay? That's kind of a big deal. So when we confess, God forgives us, okay? But get this, when he does that, when God forgives us, he also requires something of us. This is what a lot of Christians don't understand. When God forgives us, he also requires something of us. You say, Pastor, that doesn't sound right. We're going to get there. I promise you it's completely right. It's completely right. When God forgives us, he also requires something from us. You see, since he's forgiven us of, of our uh, egregious sins against him, that's just a really nice, fun word that means, you know, uh, appalling, shocking, or terrible, egregious. Since, since God has forgiven us of, of our sins, he demands that we also be willing to do the same for others. See, see God forgives us of our sins, but when he forgives us of our sins, he requires something of us. What he requires of us is a willingness to forgive others as, as well. Now, follow me. If we don't do that, if we refuse to forgive others, that lack of forgiveness for others becomes sin unto us and our fellowship with God. We're right back where we were last week. Our fellowship with God is broken. Um, we feel distance and it causes our prayers to be completely ineffective and unproductive. Okay, 
Unforgiveness will do that. That's what it'll cause. It'll cause your prayers to be ineffective and unproductive. And I want to show you guys all this is straight from Scripture, okay? And so let's walk through this together so we can prove this. Uh, And we'll start with this is what Jesus taught. This is what Jesus taught. Now, there's no place for you to write this in your notes because your notes are already packed out. So, but we'll just walk through it together. This is, this is what Jesus taught. Remember the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, his disciples come to him. Jesus is going to teach them how to pray. He says, when you pray, this is how you should pray, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Forgive us as we forgive them. Forgive us and, and, and we'll forgive them, right? And he's saying this is part of your prayer life that if, if, if we're asking forgiveness from God, we've got to be willing to forgive others. This is also, of course, what Jesus modeled. Uh, is Jesus is, is, is literally being crucified, not just as he's being nailed on the cross, but as he's hanging on the cross, as he's dying in agony for the sins of the world, he cries out, what? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And you've got to see how huge that statement is. See, we have to forgive others so we can be forgiven. But Jesus had nothing to be forgiven of. He's perfect, blameless, pure, right? He, he doesn't have to do it, but this is the heart of Christ. He loves us. He's saying, God, even as they do this to me, I I pray mercy upon them. I I pray that you would forgive them for what they're doing unto me. They don't even know what's going on. Jesus models this kind of prayer life for us. It's just like when he's baptized. Jesus didn't have any sin. He had no no repentance necessary in his life. Why Why was he baptized? To model it for us. And here he models this type of prayer for us as well. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Lastly, and this is a big deal. I want you to see this is also what Jesus warned us against. This is what Jesus warned us about, okay? Uh, and, 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 and this is, this is, this is a big deal. Uh, Matthew 6, this is still part of that Sermon on the Mount teaching, verse 14 and 15. He says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's awesome. We, 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 we want to put a period at the end of that sentence and just ignore the next verse, but, but read the next verse with me. It says, But if you do not forgive men their sins... Your father will not forgive your sins. Friends, that, that's what you call a theological bombshell. That, 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 that's a declaration of, of distance. If you don't forgive others, I will distance myself from you, God says. And our fellowship's going to be broken. You're going to feel the distance. You're going to feel the distance if you forget, refuse to forgive others. And it, it's a big deal. The inability to forgive our our fellow man of the little wrong that they have done unto us after we have experienced a much greater forgiveness from God. That is sin. That is sin. It's the parable of the unmerciful servant. When we act in such a way towards others, it shows that we are ungrateful to God for what he has done for us. And it hurts the heart of God and, and it destroys our fellowship. And he declares that because of our unforgiveness, we will not be forgiven. Our prayers will bounce off the ceiling. They'll fall on deaf ears. They'll be completely ineffective and unproductive. Now, I don't know about you. I don't want that, do you? 
I don't want that. And because I don't want that, that means that forgiveness must be a big part of my prayer life. It's got to become an active part of my prayer life. But in order for that to happen, I feel like we probably need to talk about what forgiveness is, since this is such a big deal, since this is a key to effective prayer. This is kind of the little mini sermon inside of sermon, because I honestly think that most Christians don't know what it means to forgive, because I hear all kinds of things. Well, you forgive and forget. Well, forgive What is forgiveness, really? So let's just walk through that. Give you three very quick things that forgiveness is and three things that forgiveness is not. Number one, I want you to see this morning that forgiveness is giving what? Uh, giving up what is owed to you. Forgiveness is giving up what is owed to you, right? It, it, it's canceling a debt that is owed to you. Again, the parable of the unmerciful servant. Let's open our Bibles together to Matthew chapter 18. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, I'm going to be in verse 23, and uh, and I'll start there. Uh, the parable begins uh, up in verse 21, but we're going to start in verse 23 of Matthew chapter 18. Again, Jesus is teaching, Jesus is speaking, um, and, and he says some great things here about forgiveness. Matthew 18, starting in verse 23, he says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents, that is a huge sum of money, friends, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him and said, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and he let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That's that's very, very little. He grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and they told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. What is forgiveness? It's canceling debt. It's giving up what's owed to you, first and foremost. Second, forgiveness is is giving up on getting even. It's giving up on getting even. Romans twelve nineteen says, Do not take revenge, my friends. But leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So when we talk about forgiveness, forgiveness is giving up on getting even. That's what it is. It, 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 it's giving up on, 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 on what's owed to you. It, it's giving up on getting even. And, and finally, it is uh, giving that person in that situation over to God. That's forgiveness. Forgiveness is whatever has been done, whatever's been wrong. You give the, the whole situation, you give all the hurt, and you give the person over to God. Now, you give them over to God, maybe for multiple reasons. Maybe you give them over to God for justice, right? <laughs> Lord, justice. You said you'd do it here. I give them to you, right? 
But maybe more, for, more than just that, you also give them over to God, hoping that God will do something good with them. That God can bring about something good in them. And that's true forgiveness when you say to God, God, I give this up to you. I pray that you would do a work in this person. I pray that they would learn to love you. I pray that I could be Jesus unto them through this. Okay, that's what forgiveness is. Now, what, what is forgiveness not? Forgiveness is not denial. Guys, sometimes really bad stuff happens and it's evil. And some people think that, well, if I forgive them, I'm just going to deny that it ever happened. I'm going to deny that, that evil was done. I'm going to deny that wrong occurred. That's, that's not what forgiveness is. Friends, sometimes you're going to have to forgive somebody and call the cops. Right? I mean, sometimes you're going to have to do that. And you can do that, and that's okay, because the law of the land has been placed over us by God himself. And there are some things that people are going to do that they're going to have to pay account for. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't forgive them, but there's still consequences from our actions, right? There's still consequences. And, 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 and so forgiveness doesn't mean that there's no consequences. Forgiveness uh, isn't denial. It doesn't, it doesn't deny that evils happen. Here's forgiveness. Forgiveness is in spite of the fact that evil has happened, maybe even because evil has happened, I choose to love that person anyway. You see that? That's forgiveness. I'm going to love them anyway. That's forgiveness, okay? Forgiveness is also not trust. People think, well, if I forgive them, I've got to automatically trust them. Hear me, that's not the case. Somebody steals from you, you can forgive them. You can say, I love you. But right, you're not going to ask them to hold your wallet, are you? Like, hey, hey, I, I love you, I forgive you. Uh, you know, you, you stole all kinds of money from me. You want to be the chairman of finance? Right, that's not going to, you, you want to control my portfolio? You, you want to be my investment, you know, person? You're not going to do that, are you? Listen, it's not out of love. I love you, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to trust you. That Some of you, you've been hurt by very close friends. And you haven't forgiven them, but, but you haven't forgiven them because you think, well, if I forgive them, all of a sudden we've got to have that, that exact same intimacy, intimacy, that exact same. No, you can forgive them and say unto them, listen, I, I really do forgive you. I'm sorry that that happened. And maybe you can hang out again, but you're probably never going to share your deepest, darkest secrets with that person ever again, are you? And that's okay. That's still forgiveness. Trust has to be earned. That's going to have to be built back up, isn't it? Finally, um, forgiveness is not contingent on another person. Right? A lot of times we feel like, well, well, you know what? I'm willing to forgive that person, but they, I mean, biblically, they need to come to me and confess their sin first. Well, that's not forgiveness. That's restoration. You want to restore that relationship? Yeah, they need to come to you. But you know what? Forgiveness often happens long before restoration ever does. Forgiveness happens when in our hearts we say, God, I, I give them unto you and I give the situation unto you and I forgive them and I let go. And maybe, maybe 20 years later that person comes back to us and that relationship is restored. Forgiveness doesn't demand that you wait on the other person. Forgiveness is about you. And forgiveness, guys, is one of the ways that we take control back of a situation. You see, a lot of times when you're hurt and you're injured, you're the injured party, you're the victim. But when you choose to forgive, you get the power back. You're back in control, okay? That's what forgiveness is. That's, that's what forgiveness is not. And I say that because I want you to get it, because I hope it helps you let go, because you've got to let go. Not forgiving others is one of the main reasons that our prayers fall short. We pray more effectively when we forgive others, okay? Number two, second key this morning. We pray more effectively when we pray with humility. We pray more effectively when we pray with humility. 
James 4, 6 and 1 Peter 5, 5 both say the exact same thing. They say God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And what that means is, is when it comes to prayer, literally that God opposes the prayers of the proud. God opposes the prayers of, of the self-righteous, but, but he welcomes, he accepts, he hears, and he answers the prayers of the humble. I want you to see this this morning because we're, we're not making this stuff up. So, so let's again, let's turn and let's look at Scripture together. Luke chapter 18. We're just in Matthew 18. Turn with me uh, to Luke chapter 18, if you don't mind. And we're going to read uh, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Luke chapter 18, we'll start in, uh, in verse 9. Luke chapter 18, we'll start in verse 9. I'll just give you a second to turn there. It says, to, to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now the Pharisee stood up and he prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers and evildoers and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector, he stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. She didn't notice the vast difference between these two men. The Pharisee stood up. When she get that, that mental image, his chest is out. He's looking up towards heaven. You say, how do I know that? Because it, 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 it gives us what the uh, tax collector is doing. He, he won't even look up towards heaven. So it's, it's, the, the inclination there is, is, listen, this is what's going on. Hands out. This is often how Pharisees prayed. Head up towards heaven. It's in the temple. And he prayed about himself. And he prayed about his own righteousness. That's called being self-righteous. That's called being prideful. God, thank you that I am not a sinner like these guys. It's his prayer. And then you have the tax collector. And notice the difference. Notice even the body language. He stands off at a distance. He won't even look up towards heaven. He knows he's a sinner. You ever felt that way in prayer, during, during worship? You know that you failed. Feel like you, 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 maybe even you confessed it to God. Maybe you haven't confessed it yet, but you just... Just you can't look up. Your head is just down. I mean, you're just you're just you, your sin is is a great weight upon you, and that's where he is. And so face down, and he just begins to beat his chest. He he's just beating his chest. He's saying, "God, have mercy on me, for I am a sinner." It, it it's with everything that he is. He's praying this prayer. You can take out all the fluffy words. It's just God, mercy, me, sinner. It's the most simple prayer we should ever pray. God, mercy, me, sinner. Maybe it's not good English, but it's good theology. And get this. According to Jesus in verse 14, 
The tax collector is the one that went away justified before God. That word literally means to be rendered righteous or, or proclaimed righteous. And you, you've got to see this, okay? Again, we're filling in some blanks. The man that pridefully proclaimed his own righteousness was not justified before God. The man that went before God boasting about how good he was, that he's proclaiming pridefully how good he is. God, thank you that I'm not a sinner like this other man. He is not justified before God. But get this, the, the one who humbled himself, admitted his sin, and asked for mercy and forgiveness was. Jesus does the unthinkable. He, he points to the tax collector in the story. I mean, this is, this is unfathomable in this day and age. He's surrounded by a bunch of Pharisees. He points to the tax collector and he says, you see the tax collector? There's a righteous man. It's the tax collector of our day. You want to point to? You want to point to the prostitute? You want to point to the stripper? Who do you want to point to? Your IRS agent? Lovingly giving you an audit. There's the righteous man. In this case, Jesus says, there's the righteous man. God mercy me, sinner. Man who humbled himself was exalted. And Jesus concludes, everyone that exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. And friends, I would just say this. When you pray, if you want God to listen and act, if you want your prayers to be effective, then pray in humility. Pray in humility. What does that mean? It means that you understand who you're talking to. You're talking to the God of the universe. You're talking to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're talking to the Almighty. Remember who you're talking to. The second half of that, you remember who He is, and then you remember who you are. You understand that you are not the one that is to be honored in this conversation. You're not the one that is to be honored. You don't beat your chest talking about how good you are. Because you're not good. He is. You're the one that's in dire need of his mercy and his grace. And so you pray like that. You live like that. Like you're in dire need. Okay? Give you some application and we're done. Three things. Number one. Uh, I would challenge you to let it go. For some of you, this is the key to effective prayer that you need to hear. The key. For some of you, you have felt distant from God for ages. Maybe you became a Christian when you were a child. You used to have a close walk with God. Something happened somewhere along the way. And, and you're doing religion, but the relationship is broken. And you feel empty. And you feel tired. And you're, you're burnt out. And you don't even know. Like, like You're just like, okay, I'm just going through these motions. And, and, and you feel the distance. And I'm here to tell you that for some of you, the reason that you feel the distance is because you will not let go of the hurt that others have caused you. And I'm telling you right now, it's because of your unforgiveness that God's not forgiving you. And because of that, that's why you feel the distance, because there is distance. God has declared there will be distance. He says, if you don't forgive others, I will not forgive you. And so you go back to the moment that you were injured or hurt. What was it, 10 years ago? Guys, I can't even have like 10 hours of my sin between me and God. And you've got 10 years. Maybe you were hurt by somebody in the church. And so you've been angry with God. 
and, 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 and for 10 years, you've been angry and you feel distant. It's just made you more and more angry and mad. Guess what? It's never going to get better if you don't forgive that person that hurts you. It's never going to get better. You've got to forgive and you're going to see that fellowship be restored and it's going to be amazing, okay? Okay, number two. Get low. A movie with Robert Duvall called Get Low. Whew, it's a good flick. It'll hurt you. It's a good flick. Get low. God exalts the humble. Okay? But you hear me now. He opposes the proud. He opposes the proud. And friends, I'm here to tell you that we live in a moralistic society and we have trained up a a great group of Pharisees. I'm telling you. Man, I I had this conversation with a pastor not long ago. We were talking about qualifications for deacons. I said, there's only one in my book that I really care about. And it's whether or not those men are full of the Holy Spirit. Because that's how the original deacons were chosen. But we tend to go to Timothy and we say, well, it's got to be this man and this man. He's got husband and one wife and good character and all those things. And those are important. But hear me, you can have all the moral moral character uh, traits that you want to. And if you're not full of the Holy Spirit, then you're a Pharisee. And, and, And our churches today are full of Pharisees that are walking this Christian walk, quote-unquote, but you can't see their hearts, and in their hearts they are so far from God. And and I'm here to tell you that 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 leads to pride, and God opposes the proud. And we wonder why the gospel is not reaching the nations, because we walk around in our self-righteousness and our little checklist, and we don't drink or cuss or or, or chew or date girls that do, right? Whatever that saying is, and we've we've got the whole little thing, and you've got to throw the thing out the window and get Jesus is what you've got to do, right? And that's the heart of it. And so we've got to get low, and we've got to start coming before God going, God, I am a sinner. I am a sinner. Friends, I'm trying to make it my point lately to start my day on my face. Not on my knees, not like on my face, because that's the only right place is to bow before him and say, God, I'm an idiot and I need cleansing. I need you and I need forgiveness. And man, God is meeting me and I'm telling you, he'll meet you, but you've got to get low. You've got to understand who he is and you've got to understand who you are. And that should change the way that you approach him. Approach him in humility. Okay. Now, when you've done those two things, I'm here to tell you, oh, floodgates, baby, floodgates, Malachi kind of business, floodgates. Once you've done that, pray with all you've got. (laughs) Pray with all you've got. If you walk through some of these keys that were given you, then you start praying your guts out. You're going to see God start doing things that, whew, whew. I encourage you, pray with all you've got. You guys pray with me this morning. God, thank you.